1: Hello and welcome to this week's Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and this week we'll be chatting supercars formats and rules, Australian Rally Championship, TV deals for TCR, the Rolex 24, and much more. Joining me from across the garage is a teammate that I'd happily let climb the Daytona fence with me to share in my trademark celebration, Stefan Bartholomew. Stefan, how are you? Very well, thanks, Andrew. I'm
2: in that part of the year where I, I wonder what I do with my evenings when when there's no Australian Open tennis on. It's a
1: bit weird. I know. I, I assume you would have been glued to the telly for a bumper weekend of finals. Was there like a is there a groove in your couch where you've been sitting?
2: Yeah, you could uh, you could say that it was it was an awesome tournament. Um, yeah, just. Uh, a great, great storylines. Funnily enough, there, there's a Netflix uh, tennis uh, series being put together very much in the way that the um, Drive to Survive has been done. So I'm also looking forward to seeing that. But, uh, yeah, I admit I'm a, I'm a fair-weather flyer when it comes to tennis. I'm one of those January people that doesn't pay too much attention for the rest of the year, but I certainly love it when uh, the Australian summer
1: of tennis is on. You won't be sitting up watching Wimbledon or the USA, <laughs> all hours of the morning. Yeah, the old time difference is a killer. Uh, there you go. Anyway, let's, uh, let's crack on with the news, and there's plenty of it around. Uh, we have our formats and rules and regulations for the coming supercar season. That's always a big highlight as well. Uh, I'll quickly run through uh, the race formats, which I've memorized already, obviously. Uh, we'll be starting with a pair of 300-kilometer races in Sydney. Uh, there is then three 110-kilometer races in Tassie four 100-kilometre races at the Grand Prix, three 110-kilometre races in Perth, three 115-kilometre races at Winton, three 110-kilometre races in Darwin, two 250-kilometre races in Townsville, three 115-kilometre races at the Bend, three 125-kilometre races at Sandown, three 115-kilometre races in New Zealand, one 1,000-kilometre race at Mount Panorama, shock, two 250-kilometre races on the Gold Coast, and the same in Newcastle whenever that actually Happens, Stefan, let's start at the start with Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, I actually got some mail on on this twin 300k format being on the table just moments after we hung up our microphones last week. So we were almost discussing this last week, but anyway, we can discuss it now. Um, Is it a risk to go with such long races in Sydney, do you think? Or after so much racing there, do we need some sort of new format to try and spice things up a little bit?
2: I was afraid you were going to quiz me on some of those things you just read out, which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it does not fill me with an excitement With excitement to think that there's going to be two 300K races at SMP. It is a track where it can get pretty spaced out in a long race. But having said that, it's basically the format that they used for the last of the four SMPs uh, in 2021. And, uh, the Sunday race there obviously got rained out, but the Saturday race was this format and it was an absolute cracker. But then again, we, we had a little bit of weather and safety car sort of impact in all that. But I think the, the key is that, uh, it's going to be a mix of that hard and, and super soft tire. So hopefully that's enough to, to spice it up. And, uh, yeah, it's it's um easy to get up and about for a new season, but I just hope that the the tyranny of watching SMP again doesn't
1: uh, doesn't drag us down. But that was a 250k race, wasn't it? The last one? The last SMP. Oh
2: uh, yeah, you're right. But not
1: hugely different, is it? But
2: I certainly yeah. yeah, wouldn't normally vote for an extra 50k, but
1: Well, that's yeah, that that's the question. Is it is it extra 50k likely to make it better? Or not? I guess it, you know, depends on the weather. It depends on you know what that what that tire strategy can potentially throw out there. I guess it's it's a tough one because kind of what could they really do that was going to be that exciting after we went racing there so often just a couple of months ago?
2: Well, I do think it, it's better suited to the sprint races though. SMP. Yeah. That's my view of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, are you sort of generally happy with a mix of of sprint and refueling events across the season?
2: Yeah, I think it's a decent mix. Like, there's nothing too revolutionary in all of that. But I, I guess if you look at the calendars these days and just think it's it's going to be a great outcome if we get through these events. Like, it's probably not the time to nitpick and with the formats and and for them to go too crazy with experimenting um, with it. I feel like, yeah, as is the case for SMP. Uh, the tyre stuff, you know, it's it's always a big factor in whether the races end up being entertaining or not and the fact they're going to throw the Super Soft in at, at five events, um, including Townsville, which is an interesting one, which will be one mm-hmm. of, I think, three mixed tyre events. Um, so, yeah, they're trying to do a little bit of stuff there, which um, hopefully keeps things interesting. One thing that I do, um, that I do dislike is... That there's too many different qualifying formats. I don't know about you, but I yeah. just it it does my head in. Like I think each of the formats are fine, but it's just the variety in it, and one day to the next having different formats. And is this part one of a knockout, or is this it? Or you know, it's yeah, it's just a bit too messy. And that's for for someone like me who's relatively engaged in it. I can't imagine for a, the average punter what that uh, looks like.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. It, it's too much. There's effectively four different formats because there's three formats plus format 1 that sometimes has a top 10 shootout stuck to the end of it. So, I agree. I think they're all actually the systems themselves are fine, but trying to mix and match, how do you possibly follow it? I try and write a story about it and it's doing my head in. So, like you say for your for your casual, you know, the 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 U version of supercars watching the Australian Open. How do they possibly imagine if they just changed the way the whole Tournament works from one day to the next. You'd be going, what's going on here?
2: Yeah, and uh, the the other thing as well is that I, I haven't actually seen whether they're going to do that split um, first part of quality at some of those tighter tracks like Simmons Plains, and even that yeah. like caught out the commentators last year. I think there was one example where they started reading the reading the result, but we'd only had half the cars <laughs> run. So yeah. yeah, that that adds even further to the uh, to the uh, dog's breakfast that it can look like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a hard agree on that one. Uh, let's get into the the twenty twenty version of the rule book. Uh, the headline change is that drivers will no longer be benched from qualifying if they if they prompt a red flag. Uh, they will lose their fastest time, which I guess still sort of protects against drivers purposely trying to bring out a red uh, when they've just gone fastest, as we've potentially seen in other categories around the world. Um, but you know, if you if you do cause a red flag in a qualifying session, you can get back out into the session if possible. If you can get back to the pits and get going again, you are allowed to. Uh, What brought this issue to everyone's attention was when Cam Waters went off during a qualifying session, one of the thousands of qualifying sessions in City Motorsport Park last year. Um, There was a red flag thrown basically as soon as he went off the road, but he could actually get out of the gravel. He could drive back to the pits, um, but he lost his quickest time and was out of the session and ended up Um, In the second half of the field, which was pretty harsh, Stefan, it feels like a a common sense change. Would you agree that this is a positive tweak?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think in that previous system, like being completely at the mercy of race control after making a mistake as to whether they'll, they'll throw the red quickly or give you some time to get out of the gravel or wherever you are. Um, yeah, to have your whole day decided by how quickly they press the button, I think we've seen a lot of discussion about um, race control having too much influence on uh, car races overseas uh, since last December. And this is a mm-hmm. good example of just taking a bit of that out. I mean, previously, like, you, you were sort of punished three times for a mistake. You'd ruined your own lap. You got your previous fastest taken away and you couldn't, couldn't rejoin. It just seemed like overkill. So, as you say, people will not deliberately course, reds, you still lose your fastest time anyway. So I think this is a pretty clear uh, clear win and it's sort of uh, surprising, if anything, that this wasn't uh, already the case.
1: Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, we've seen in recent years and, it, and, you know, it probably goes back to the Jules Bianchi thing and that sort of stuff. Red flags do come out more often now. They come out faster. You know, it is the go-to move if there's a car off the track, particularly in a qualifying session. Is to red flag it. So yeah, I, I think it's just in keeping with the kind of evolution of of race control and, and how it how they officiate over um, over races. Uh, there's a few other little tweaks here and there in the rules. It seems the wildcard quota has been cut at most events. There's only one wildcard allowed for the likes of Tassie, Perth, Sandown, Newcastle, uh, when there was at least two allowed everywhere except. Townsville last year, I think it was, and there's still none allowed at Townsville this year. Um, I guess there's a bit of a squeeze on garages now because we have an extra car in the field. We've got 25 cars, plus uh, there will be a Gen 3 garage at most events for demo laps for those cars, so that's soaking up a bit more space. I've been hearing that Tickford will look to run Zach Best in a few wildcard events um, this season. What do you reckon? Could we see that allocation Exhausted? Could there be a bit of push and shove over getting a wild card on the track at some of these races, Stefan?
2: Yeah, I think so. Normally we don't pay too much attention to the limits because we don't really reach them. It's never really in in the conversation, but I reckon this year with being the last year of um, these Gen 2 cars in the main game and uh, there's a few Super 2 teams looking at what they can do this year um, to give some young drivers a run. Uh, clearly they won't be able to do it next year because um, they'll be running a completely different spec car. So I think, um, yeah, there will be some argy-bargy
1: on, on spots for some of those wildcard slots. That could get nice and spicy. Um, speaking of the extra entry on the grid, uh, Timmy Blanchard, he reckons uh, being forced out in his own this year, obviously he was paired up. With the uh, Jack LeBrock Tickford car last year, in terms of a pit boom and that sort of stuff. Um, he's been forced out in his own by the odd number of cars. He reckons it's going to cost him around 200 grand in pit equipment and extra staff for race weekends. That's a fair chunk of change, Stefan. Although I guess if there is a Tickford wildcard here and there, that might help ease the financial burden a little bit. Do you reckon Blanche has got a case in being a bit surly with supercars for not trying to keep an even number of cars in the series, particularly when? Matt Stone Racing, for example, really wanted that extra license that was up for grabs for this year?
2: Yeah, you you can't help but feel a fair bit of empathy for uh, Tim in this situation. Like, Clearly, not only is it a one-car team, but the model around it is to run it pretty lean staff-wise, so this is a real hit to the way they've, they've gone about it. Unfortunately, they were just exposed to this. I mean, as much as you can run one, two, three, four cars, whatever you want your business to be, the, the pit lane stuff has been structured basically around two cars for a long time, and running one or three has always been a compromise. Like You don't have to go too far back. I think 2015 was the last time we had an odd number of cars, and back then BJR ran two booms for three cars, so they had their 21 car on its own boom, and a year before that I think we had LDM running by themselves, so it's something that's happened um, from time to time and and then we've seen with the booms like yeah just weird combinations of Penske's and Techno and even last year with Wildcards I think we saw Tickford and Walkinshaw sharing a boom which yeah. uh, for those of us that still think of those guys as these warring factory the, the factory teams, teams. yeah, yeah. That, that was quite quite weird and we talk about sharing a boom it's also mechanics too which is what Tim's talking about with um, extra spend so yeah, I mean, as far as the whole element of whether they should have, Supercar should have issued one wreck back into the market or two, I feel like it's hard to comment too much without knowing the exact circumstances on what the bids were, like how serious MSR were uh, money-wise about their bid and also how it played into the sale of the business because obviously there's that fixed um, dividend that the teams are going to get for the next five years. So adding another car, would have uh you know results in a fair big fairly uh, increased cash outlay for the for the owners so yeah oh, that's all a bit a bit behind the scenes a bit murky but hopefully there'll be those wild cards for for pairing up with um, for Blanchie. but yeah. yeah if not I mean if it's a gen three garage I reckon just get uh, get the supercars boys get Adrian Burgess out on the out on the guns um,
1: save save him a bit of money that's a uh, that's a good idea. Just coming back to talking about those two wildcard entries last year, the Tickford and Walkinshaw car. I think the biggest issue wasn't the fact that you know that we had a, a famous Ford team and a famous Holden team. It was the fact that there was a Castrol car and a car. The other car was sponsored by another oil brand. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention them on this podcast. Um, so I think the, the 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 toughest of negotiations was what the mechanics <laughs> what suits they were going to wear when they went running out to do pit stops because it kind of had to. They couldn't clash. Um, so yeah, that was quite an interesting situation. Any other new rules that uh, that caught your eye, my friend? Uh, yeah, well, I guess we've all been having a bit of a bit of a glance at,
2: at what's going on with, with new rules this year. And and one little thing that um, we'll see later in the year is um, Supercars had announced um, that Hidden Valley will be an Indigenous themed round, but um, it's actually in the rules that it's going to be compulsory to um, have a designated Indigenous-themed livery, those uh, are the words in the regulations. So it'll be, uh, yeah, interesting to see how this rolls out. Like, obviously, it's something that the ball sports have, have introduced. Um, but I think for motorsport, it's a little more nuanced and complex because of the proximity of the corporate logos to Say the indigenous art that they may try to uh, integrate into the designs. So I think it's very easy to do it badly. Um, but mm-hmm. hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, if it, if it um, is done right, it'll look pretty good. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now a -a Attack. Supercars, unforgettable.
1: Uh, In other Supercars news, we're officially back to four Queensland teams with Premier Racing set to set up shop in the Sunshine State, Brisbane in particular. I guess we kind of, you know, Team Sydney was still very largely a Queensland-based team last year. But anyway, um, I spoke to um, Premier Racing owner Peter Zibberis late last week uh, about this whole thing. The reason they sort of settled on Brizzy is because they will have a customer deal with uh, 888. All the specifics of that deal aren't necessarily in place right now, but the car's been upgraded to current T8 spec as we speak. Uh, The deal will include... uh, Data share, so you know, probably reasonably similar to say what Team 18 has, uh, for example. Um, So um, Peter said, you know, it's not just about being close to Triple Eight, but you know, he feels it's easy to recruit people with experience working on Triple Eight cars if they're based uh, in the Brisbane area. There was actually a lot of talk that that the cars may even run out of T8's workshop. During this season, or for at least part of this season, that seems a little less likely now. But they will run out of Triple Eight for at least the pre-season test in the middle of this month, um, and they'll be there heading into round one. It appears as well. It's just not entirely. No one's entirely sure what's going to happen after that. Stefan, would that have been a good move to buddy up that close to Triple Eight? Do you think, or, or is a bit of separation a good thing for a new team as it sort of learns the ways of the supercars world on its own?
2: I guess it really depends on what Peter wants to build there. Whether he wants to to build a team, which is going to take time, or whether, yeah, he wanted to put lots and lots and lots of money into having Triple Eight basically give him a shortcut and do it all for him. I don't know on on the Triple Eight side whether they had the capacity and or desire to to do that. I mean, they seem to like building cars. Selling parts and providing a little bit of data with it, but we haven't really seen them run cars in-house in the main game for other people. So I think it it sounds like it's still a little bit of a a work in progress, but it sounds like a decent outcome to have um, 888 prepare them initially and obviously upgrade them like you were saying. And um, then probably the challenge for uh, Peter is to hire some engineers that run the cars without uh, trying to reinvent the wheel and out-engineer 888 with their own stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Gen 3 testing continues at Queensland Raceway today, Tuesday. Um, There'll be some more testing later in the week. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and Will Brown in the Camaro. Tim Slade and James Courtney in the Mustang. Stefan, have they worked out how to jimmy bar giz in and out of the Camaro yet? There's been some talk of it being a bit of a tight squeeze for, uh, for lanky old giz.
2: Yeah, we sort of had the same thing when the Car of the Future prototypes came out, that it was uh, a bit of an issue for the for the taller drivers. But maybe in this circumstance, it's um, this is a new parity tool, right? Like the only way you can bring gears back to the field is by making him a bit uncomfortable. So uh, <laughs> uh, I think they'll, they'll all be pretty uncomfortable out there today at Ipswich. It's uh, high 30s, maybe even cracking 40 degrees. So some good uh, reliability testing for those cars and drivers. So you're not... You're not racing out there as soon as we finish recording this pod? Uh no, my cool suit wasn't working this morning, so I didn't go
1: out. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Giz, uh, he's going to be making his Australian Rally Championship debut at the National Capital Rally in Canberra. In April, he'll be driving a Skoda Fabia R5 with some Red Bull backing um, and with the very experienced Glenn Weston by his side doing the navigating. Uh, He did a couple of rallies in New Zealand last year, Stefan. He won his class uh, in the City of Auckland rally uh, in his old man's Ford Escort. Uh, and then he won the Battle of Jack's Ridge outright in a Mitsubishi Mirage AP4 car, I think it is. Um, so he clearly goes all right on dirt. And the Kiwis basically grow up driving on dirt. They're a bit like Scandinavians in that way. They're just off-road and going quick from the moment they're born, it seems. Um, how do you reckon he's going to He's gonna go here? Is Harry Bates and co. going to be shaking in their boots a little bit at the idea of Giz joining the rally scene?
2: Uh, yeah, I guess it's hard to say. I'm not really across the the form and the competition too much in ARC, but it's definitely awesome for for the championship to have someone of Shane's profile uh, come in, and it's just cool to see Shane uh, putting himself out there, trying different stuff. Obviously, rallying's a big passion for him, with his old man's history with it, and you know, Shane talks about Possum Bourne, the great uh, Kiwi legend, being uh, being his hero. Um, so yeah. yeah, I just hope he has some fun with it, but um, I'm sure that he won't disgrace himself I mean he's shown in all sorts of circuit racing vehicles that he can uh, he can adapt to stuff pretty quick so yeah I'm looking forward to actually uh, following how he goes
1: yeah no it is uh, it does add a little bit of extra interest to the ARC for at least the first round and you know he said he can't do the full season but he's been talking about this for like about a year now Um, so I think he would like to do uh, as much as he can, because he does seem to enjoy uh, hitting the dirt. Uh, elsewhere in Aussie racing land, the Australian Racing Group looks to have landed a new broadcast deal for its 2022 season. Uh, we'll be tuning into Stan Sport to catch most of the TCR Australia and S5000 action this year. It seems, I believe, it's going to be called the Super Series or something like that. I'm not. It's always a bit sort of confusing when you've got. It's the ARG categories, but they race on the Motorsport Australia Championships bill, and then it's kind of which is what, and it's even trying to write stories about it. It's a bit of a nightmare sometimes, but anyway, um, we're sort of seeing that the rise of the streaming services um, continue. It's not entirely clear how much will be how much of this broadcast will only be on stand, how much uh, FTA free to air stuff with Nine will be included. Uh, in the deal. Stefan, what do you reckon? Is this, a, is this a good move for ARG? I mean, we've seen paid broadcast deals um, be a trigger for fans uh, in the past, and that's effectively what this is, but it's probably also going to come with a bit of additional revenue um, for the categories as opposed to the Channel 7 deal. Where do you sit on this one, Stefan?
2: Well, I mean, start starting with the word super, obviously, uh, does a fair bit like having worked it. At- Supercars, you know, when they went to the Super 2 branding and then obviously Super 3 and Super Utes and Super Sprints, um, I just can't get enough of the word super. So that's great news. (laughs) But uh, And that'll definitely distinguish this from the rest of Australian motorsport. But, uh, yeah, I I feel like it's just – it's important to see where it lands on what the balance is between Stan and and Nine, but it it appears like – Seven didn't want to pay for it, and, and this uh, stand nine combined deal uh, has, has offered a bit of money. So you can understand why they've done it. I, personally, I was sort of hoping that um, with ARG and supercars having that um, cross ownership there these days, that um, there would be a situation where there'd be sort of a consistent, you know, weekly motorsport offering on Seven that could. Um, really bring some of that uh, yeah, consistency that, that motorsport lacks compared to the ball sports by having it every weekend. But um, yeah, clearly we've seen already with the calendars and now the TV that um, ARG owning that slice in, in supercars isn't the come to Jesus moment that it at once appeared to be. So yeah, we'll just see how this works out in the wash of um, how much is where, but uh, it's certainly a very interesting development.
1: Well, you'll be able to get a pretty hefty motorsport fix over on stand. They've now got What is it? IndyCar, World Rally Championship, Formula E. Like they they they've got a fair the Aussie rights to a fair bit of motorsport now. I mean, it sort of feels like they are trying to build that as a as a portfolio of stand sports. We're a long way off, but maybe we're seeing you know the rise of a of a broadcaster that might try and snatch supercars off Fox in the future.
2: Potentially, I feel like Fox has uh, it just. From the cheap seats, it looks like they've realized that they can just focus on, as long as they have those big ticket items of the big games, supercars, yeah. F1 and MotoGP, that the rest aren't yeah. really deal breakers when it comes to subscribers. They're mm-hmm. kind of nice to have it's a, if it's a super cheap deal or if it's, um, there's that word super again, or if it's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, something they can pick up for, for nothing and just put it on there as content. But um, I probably shouldn't try to guess the business game of, Of Foxtel because to me, like they've introduced KO, which is great, but like I think there's a lot of people that are now on the cheaper KO that were on Foxtel before, and I'm one of them, so they've yeah, that's a peculiar shift in their own business model. So, what do I know about what they're trying to do?
1: Yep, no, fair enough. I'm sure there's people much smarter than us making these uh, very wise decisions, Stefan. Um, right, so we've had our first big circuit race of the year, the Rolex 24. It's been run and won, and what a victory for Maya Shank Racing. IndyCar legend Helio Castroneves held off Ricky Taylor to grab the outright win alongside co-drivers Tom Blomqvist, Ollie Jarvis, and Simon Pagino. Uh, Back in the GT Pro GTD Pro class, we had an Aussie winner in Matt Campbell after a thrilling final few laps. Stefan, did you see the end of this one?
2: Yeah, and it wasn't just the the incident on the final lap, like the the battle between Maddie Campbell's co-driver, Mateu Jamene, I hope that's how you say it, and Ooh, uh Lawrence nice. Lawrence Banthor uh was was epic for for the last fifteen or so minutes of that race. Um so yeah, it's it's incredible when a 24-hour race comes down to to something like that. But um certainly the combination of that and then the storyline with um With those uh, Shank guys winning, it's uh, a couple of those guys that have uh, been kicked out of Penske's there with Castro Nevis and and Pagano. It's sort of, um, I remember when when Erebus won Bathurst in in 2017, one of the guys, I think it was Luke Yalden, described it as a little team of rejects, which was just a beautiful line at the time. And it sort of had a little bit of the same feel with uh, some of these guys in Daytona.
1: That was a great line. I do remember the. Team. I think I think I think we both had a go at hanging a story off that line because you don't miss an opportunity like that. Um, Formula One. Daniel Ricciardo was appointed a member of the Order of Australia on Australia Day last week for his services to motorsport. Stefan, I, I went looking. You weren't there. What's going on? What about your services to motorsport? When will they be recognised? Uh, does it have to be nominated by someone else? Because I, I figured you were doing that. Formula E and Nick DeFreeze and Eduardo Mortara split the wins at the E Epre in Saudi Arabia. And in MotoGP, the shakedown test is underway in Malaysia. Aussie Remy Gardner is on the Tech 3 KDM that he will race this season, his debut season in the top tier, although he is sporting a busted wrist from a training accident a few weeks ago i think it's uh in about four days time the open testing kicks off there in malaysia and we'll see all the big guns out there and we'll find out what's going to be what for moto gp this year right i think it's time to talk castro stars of the week Stefan, who's your pick this week
2: well we touched on it before but i think maddie campbell is pretty hard to go past the uh, the kid from warwick in queensland that's grown up to be a porsche factory driver and already in a couple of years like now he's added a Daytona 24 hour uh class win to a uh, to a list that includes class wins at Lamar 24 hour Petit Lamar Dubai 24 and also that outright win at the Bathurst 12 hour which was uh sensational on home soil so uh yeah he's my Castrol star of the week
1: this week mm, that move at the elbow wasn't it to win the Bathurst 12 hour that was delicious uh I just can't go past Helio Castroneves, as you sort of touched on before, like the bloke's in his mid forties. He's now the reigning Indy five hundred winner. He's the reigning Rolex twenty four winner for two years running. He's talking about wanting to go and do Le Mans uh, now. I think maybe he should team up with Sebastian Loeb, and they can just go and beat up on the guys and beat up on guys half their age. together. maybe Lonsy can get in there as well. He's been wanting to make his Le Mans debut for a long time. What do you reckon? How would that be for a combat?
2: Got my vote. That's a, that's a
1: real wild card. I'd love to be
2: sharing a peep in with those guys.
1: <laughs> uh, very good. All right. Well, look, that's it for this week. Uh, remember to like, subscribe, and review our work wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back next week with more Castrol Motorsport News.
0: Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here. And yes, I'm inside your speaker. Fabrication and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on thirteen hundred W Racing or email services at